0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. Thank God for His life-changing work and His Holy Spirit that makes it a reality in our lives. This is going to be our final lesson on uh, living to please God. It's number five, living to please God. And for those of you that may not have been with us, I'm just going to share a little bit of a review with you so you can kind of get caught up on where we've been. So, number one, every one of us should desire to live our lives pleasing to God. Would you agree with that? And there are specific reasons as to why we should. Uh, number one, Being because of the coming judgment. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 9 and 10. This is from the New Living Translation. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand. He tells why. We all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That's a thought. That's a sobering thought. But look at Romans. Also chapter 14. And this is from the Phillips translation. I like this translation. Why then criticize your brother's actions? Why try to make him look small? We shall all be judged one day. Not by each other's standards. Or even our own. But by the standard of Christ. It is written. As I live says the Lord. Now that's going to be strong. Wouldn't you say? Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. It is to God alone that we will have to answer for our actions. Let us therefore stop turning critical eyes on one another. If we must be critical, let us be critical of our own conduct and see that we do nothing to make a brother stumble or fall. Who We could say, wow, or ouch, or oh me. Let's regroup and meditate those two verses. If we just learned that, that'd be enough from this, these teachings, right? But then secondly, to show our love for God. Look at John's Gospel 15, verse 14. If you're my friends, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Think about that. That pleases Him when we do His commandments. And then thirdly, because of the benefits. We talked about some benefits, but in Proverbs Chapter 16 and verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, he could turn your enemy into a friend when your ways please him. In other words, if you want to activate his power on your behalf, just live to please him. And you're going to set most in some spiritual laws that will just bless you beyond words. Also, we also talked about it's up to us to find out what pleases God. In the book of Ephesians, it's our responsibility and duty. As a matter of fact, that's why you're here in church today. To find out some of these things. What pleases God. So, in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I notice this, and find out What pleases the Lord. You realize we're not just reading a chapter to say, I've read three chapters today. We want to find out what pleases the Lord and do it. Can you say amen? And it's our duty to find out. And of course, where do we find out? In the scriptures. Okay. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. This is from the new century version of the Bible. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives. Oh my goodness, if our culture out there heard me say that, they would have a conniption. Right? Think about it. We're supposed to be governed by God's laws, not man's laws. Alright. For, notice this, for correction... for for correcting faults, for teaching how to live right. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable having all that is needed to do every good work. So we see the scriptures have been given to us for what reason? To inspire us, to instruct us, to correct us, to even motivate us to change, you could say, right? And then we said uh, there are a few things that we pointed out. I think we listed like eight different things that we found out that please God number one faith pleases God being spiritually minded pleases God honoring our parents is well pleasing to God making sacrifices uh, that are good works uh, very much pleases God it says he's well pleased with those kinds of sacrifices but then also uh, staying on course with God not turning back because he's not pleased with that fearing him pleases him when we have reverential fear Again, it's reverential fear. Not frightening fear, but reverential fear of the Lord. It's like you reverence a hot stove. You don't touch it because it'll burn you. So you have respect for it. So we hold him in high esteem. We regard his thoughts and his instructions. And we just revere him. And so that does what? Moves us to act as he wants us to act. And then also be thankful. We talked about that last Sunday. How important it is for us to be people full of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. For even the very air that we breathe. Let alone living in a nation in which we have freedom. And thank God for the freedoms that we have. And those that sacrifice their lives so we can be a free people. Can you say amen to that? And we should be so thankful. So as we continue our study I want to point out a couple more scriptures. Just relive them one we didn't go over but this first one we did but I want to relive them again look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 1 through 8 this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible finally dear brothers and sisters we urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus to live in a way notice this that pleases God not self not others but God as we have taught you so Paul was going about teaching you live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Pretty good authority, wouldn't you say? Well, what is that, Paul? God's will is for you to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. As we have solemnly warned you before, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Think about that. In in other words, even though our society wants to say that you can't talk about this and you can't preach about that, I didn't preach about anything, I just read scripture. Right? I just read the scripture. So those are God's thoughts. About living, holy, set apart, sanctified lives. What is right and what is wrong. Um, Especially when it comes to, like he was talking about adultery there. In other words, you don't take another man's wife. Because if you do that, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and he will repay. Because if you steal his sheep. He's got to give you sevenfold back. But if you take his wife, nothing will satisfy. And as a matter of fact, he who does it, we're told, destroys his own soul. His mindset, his way of thinking is perverted and di- distorted and destroyed. And so it's important that we understand these are God's laws. Now go to Second Timothy in chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Because I want you to notice in the King James, he talks about us possessing our vessels, which is our body. In sanctification and honor. Keep that thought in mind. Now let's read these. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for he will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So, in other words, there should be a departure. One does a plane take off? Immediately, once you get saved, we're to depart, divorce ourselves from iniquity. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. Notice the word vessels. Vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Don't you want to be a vessel of honorable use? Shouldn't we all want to be vessels of honorable use? Set apart as holy, notice, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, so what, Paul? Flee youthful passions. I I know some might say it'd be nice to be young again. But there's a lot of baggage that goes with being young again. Would you say amen to that? That's the truth, isn't it? So, flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Notice, he's talking about the inward pleasing of God, and he's also talking about the external or outward pleasing of God. Inwardly, faith and hope and and love and and, and all that And, and reverence for God. But then externally, keeping this vessel to be a vessel of honor and not dishonor. By allowing it to be used by God to do what? Communicate His life, His love, His mercy, His grace, His righteousness, His holiness, His truth. Amen. And so we live our lives as shining lights in a world of darkness... Because the world can only see not the inside of us, but the outside of us. The world can see our conduct, our character, our attitude, our behavior, our speech, how we live our lives externally. Can you say amen? Okay, so we're all together so far. So I want to talk about becoming a vessel of honor, someone that is useful, and this is really what pleases God, and this is what it is all about. This sums up the whole thing. Inspiration is a wonderful thing. It can fuel great intentions. You realize that. But inspiration, you see, cannot produce change. In order to produce change, we need something more than inspiration. See, without instruction, inspiration becomes something that leads to frustration. That's why it's okay to go somewhere. You get excited and you can just run and shout and scream and hoop and holler and all that. Glory be to God. But when your your feet hit the ground, you better have a solid foundation underneath you. Why? Because inspiration fuels great intentions, but it cannot produce change in a person's life. Point and case, New Year's resolutions. Need I say any more? Not at all. New Year's resolutions. Alright, so we're going to talk about stages of change. Number one. These instructions will help us become vessels of honor. So that we can be useful for God. So he can use us in advancing his kingdom here upon the earth. In every area of our lives. Number one. Revelation is seeing the need. Seeing the need. It starts right there. If I don't see the need, and each one of these steps kind of flow with each other. They flow with one another. They flow into one another. So number one is Revelation. I've got to see the need. You know, there was a time when someone came to me and said, you must be born again. I didn't see that need. Actually, it took a long time before I saw that need. I didn't think I needed to be born again. Because I didn't hear about it before. Um, I don't think the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes saw any need to believe what Jesus had to say. I don't think many of them even believe what John the Baptist did or what he had to say. Why? They didn't see any need for change in their lives. Why? Because they're the scribes and they're the Pharisees and they've got the law. Change is not an easy thing for anyone, is it? But Jesus came to His own. His own received it not. But those that did became the sons of God. One day, my eyes are open. I saw the need to be born again. I had a revelation. You see, the light bulb went on, and I saw it. See, I grew up in a church where I never heard about being born again. I went through all the rituals externally, but inwardly, as Jesus said, you could be externally, you could be all dolled up and looking good but on the inside you could be dead and I was that's why behavior on the outside you see cannot be controlled unless you got life of God on the inside so I realized my need to be born again and once I accepted Christ as my savior and I was born again praise God I had even more light come my way now you ready for this are you ready for this I really contemplated where I should go with this We all need to change. Once we get born again, we all need to hear that. He didn't save us to keep us as we are. He saved us to transform us from glory to glory by the Spirit of the living God. Did He not? Absolutely. So we don't want to become stagnant and just stay right there. But when we introduce that into people's lives, they get offended. And I understand it. We can all get offended when someone says, maybe you should change. Maybe you should stop this. Maybe you should do that or whatever. And I only use this one reference here and there's many, many, many more because of a family member that I want to not share the name with you, but one of my family members, we all got same basically around the same time and we had Bible studies, and we would study the Word of God together and all that. Genuinely born again. But this one family member, she would smoke three to four packs of cigarette every single day. Without filters. Hardcore. And of course, she started when she was real young, when they didn't know it caused cancer and that sort of thing. But over a period of time, obviously, we've learned some things about using that tobacco that much and, and everything. And so... We would talk to her and kind of share with her, now that you're a born-again, blood-washed Christian. You know, first of all, you're a shining light, and people need to see the light. But also, your health. We're concerned about your well-being. We're concerned about your health. And so, you know, maybe you need to do something about this particular thing, because we know now that it's deadly. I mean, it, it can take your life. And the response always was this. You know, well, look, you've got to die somehow. <laughs> some way. If it's not one way, it'll be another way. You know. So in other words, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me how to live. I'm not trying to tell you how to live. I'm not telling you what to do. Remember that verse in, in Proverbs 15, I think it is 32, that, that talks about he that heeds uh, constructive criticism is elected to the wise man's hall of fame. But to reject it is really, it goes against your own best interests. It can hurt yourself. It only hurts yourself. Well, she wouldn't have anything to do with it. Wouldn't even hear about it at all. Just upset about it. You know, and we could use other things, not that we're pointing out any of these vices or anything like that, but how many know there are things out there in the world that if we engage ourselves in those things, they can be very detrimental to our well-being? And we're trying to help people, myself included, sometimes we're a closed door You know, you've heard me say oftentimes our heads are like cement, thoroughly mixed, well set. And you need a jackhammer, a spiritual jackhammer sometimes to get it through. Because I was that way. I know I was. What do you mean I've got to be born again? My response was, how can I go back into my mother and come out again? I mean, that was like Nicodemus. But the light bulb went on. So, no matter what the situation might be, whether it's we can destroy our liver through excessive use of alcohol and right on down, whatever you know you could be a, even a, a fanatic about anything, so can I. But to hear that maybe we should change all of a sudden, a wall goes up, so i 've been praying for all of us to have a revelation, even change the order of a church service sometimes uh, we 're supposed to pray we 're supposed to worship some more we 'll get to that in a moment. Amen, <laughs> And you know what? We may be on our faces for a while. You see what I mean? We get so comfortable in our comfort zone, sometimes it's hard to break loose. So the point, step number one is what? Revelation. Our eyes have got to be open to see my need for change. Step number two, powerful also, motivation. The desire to do something. So if you don't see a need, there's not going to be a desire. Would you say you agree with that? Sure. Sure. Now, the desire to do something can come from different resources or different sources. Uh, Education. Education is a good source for motivation. And to be honest with you, this school of thought is a better school of thought than the next school of thought that we'll talk about. So this school of thought is called the school of education. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's see, this is verses 9, these are verses 9 through 11 and then 18 through 20. And this is from the New Living Translation. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So notice, this is what you were, but now you're made holy. Now you're a vessel of honor to God. But then he goes on and talks about Food is for the digestive system, and the digestive system is for food. But the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And he talks about that. Then he goes to verse 18. Look at verse 18. And remember, I'm not preaching. I'm just reading scripture. Run from sexual sin. Our culture doesn't want to hear that today. Because you see, our culture says everything is okay. It doesn't matter. And no one has a right to tell us. You know, isn't that pretty sad that they were trying to tell preachers that they can't even preach the Bible? You can't tell people what the Word of God says. Run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You... Do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Or be a vessel of what? Honor. So if he bought my body and I'm living in it, I owe him rent. Do you pay your rent? Do you pay your mortgage? you pay for your car? I owe him rent. I owe it to him. To love as he loved me. I went to him to walk as he walked. We owe this to him. So once again, this is, used to be called meddling. But how many of you are here to be challenged? And you really want to know the truth. I want to be like Paul. One day I can say that I failed not to preach the whole counsel of God. So I can say my hands are washed from the blood of all men. In other words... You heard it from this pulpit. What is right and what is wrong. How God wants us to live and how he doesn't. What pleases God and what doesn't. Obviously the choice is ours. And one day I believe our eyes will be open to see the need for us to do what? Change to be more like Jesus. See we're living in once again a culture and a society that says just say a sinner's prayer and everything is okay. It's okay. I believe you've got to say a sinner's prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart. But when he comes in... The first thing he did when he came to the earth was cleanse the temple. The last thing he did when he left the earth, cleanse the temple. And guess what? While he's in you and in me, he is sweeping clean the temple. This is the temple of the living God. And there's strong motivation, a desire to do something. Wow. Talk about motivation. Well, look at the next school. The next school is the school of hard knocks anybody graduate from that school anybody have that diploma I know I do praise God I've got my diploma from the school of hard knocks what is that school you learn the hard way we learn the hard way remember that person I was telling about that family member of mine would not even hear it had nothing to do with it um, so and so and so, you really need to mm, curtail that or do something about it. We're not being mean, we just love you so much. Her response was, What gotta die some way? Well, when she was diagnosed with cancer of the larynx, guess what? She stopped smoking the moment she got the report instantly. That's a powerful motivation. She had her voice box removed. And of course she had the hole in her, you know, the trach and all that. And that's how she spoke to us. She never touched another cigarette from that point on. See, she got a revelation. But the revelation came kind of late. And then she got the motivation. But it was through the school of hard knocks. Never touched another cigarette from that point on. It could be cirrhosis of the liver. It could be like David, a sexually transmitted disease. It could be like touching that hot stove that you told that child, "Don't touch it," but they're curious and they touch it. Guess what? They won't touch it again. Once they got burnt, and we're all you know, be honest with you. I would, say, I would venture to say most of us are that way. Can you say amen? Right, amen? It's when we really get the message, and there could be many other things. It could be that desire to lose weight. We're motivated, let's say, to lose weight. And maybe it came uh, because we went to the doctor's office and said there are certain things that are wrong and you really need to lose some weight. <clears throat> that could be a motivation. But um, we need revelation that leads to motivation. But still, that's not enough. There's also got to be... The next one is preparation. Preparation is action by which we get ready for something. So you see, just because I have the revelation doesn't mean I'm going to be, let's say, equipped to handle it or equipped to do it. Because, let's say, you've been involved in it for so long. But then you're going to have the motivation to do it at least. See... Revelation leads to motivation, which leads to preparation. And without preparation, we're going to fail. You see, we've got to be ready to do something. Prepare ourselves mentally, number one. Proverbs 23, verse 7, tells us, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. As a man thinks, so is he. You think those that put together commercials don't know how we think? Okay. They actually prey upon our mentality. And they know we're visual beings. So when they want to sell their exercise equipment, they get these two sculpted people, a man and a woman with no fat, on their body at all. Zero percent. Right? And they get this $1,000 machine called a whatever and they're on there just not even sweating just looking so cool, calm and collected and you see that and you go yeah, I want to look like that. And, oh, you're just all bug-eyed and all that. You get out the checkbook, you know, or, or get your credit card out. You're going to get that in your house. And they actually convince you that if you do it for only seven minutes a day, seven minutes a day, and you could look like me. Really? I'm going to tell you something right now. I go to the Y regularly. And I used to jog on the street regularly. I would go four or five miles a day. I would use the weights and all the elliptical machines and all that sort of thing over you know. And you know, there was a time when I didn't lose one ounce. Not one ounce. I'm working hard, but one day I got a revelation, and I put down the pizza. I changed what I was eating and lost 15 pounds without the machine. Are you seeing this? Preparation. You see, if we don't have the revelation, we're never going to be motivated. But once we're motivated, we've got to understand preparation because we're not there yet. We've got to prepare ourselves We've got to do what? You know in the scriptures and the Psalms where it talks about Selah, S-E-L-A-H? Uh, David will say something in the Psalms and Selah means stop, pause, think about that for a little bit. We've got to think about the challenge that we're about to enter into. We've got to think about the adjustments that we have to make. Because if we don't, we're going to step into it and we're not going to be able to finish it. Well, I thought it'd just be like this. I thought it'd just be, did you see that guy on there? He's got abs. Oh, his abs have abs. His muscles have muscles. They don't tell you what they eat. They don't tell you their diet. They don't tell you the key to all looking like that is not exercise, but food. There's no pumpkin pie on their breath. following me. But all oh, the mentality that we have, you know, we're thinking that, yeah, I'm just going to buy that machine. And you see a lot of people do it. And then it's at a yard sale. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> it's over here. You know, yard sale, garage sale, piece of equipment. Oh, yeah, it's a great item. Go, loved it. Just loved it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's why it's out here in the garage, for the garage sale. Oh, Heavenly <laughs> Alright, and sometimes there's physical, there's physical uh, preparations that need to be made, things that we do. If you ever want to be motivated and be prepared, invite a trainer over to your house. You see, don't go visit his house. Let him come over your house and let him open up your cupboards because the first thing he's going to do is walk in, lay his potato chips out in the garbage, Oreo cookies, out, in the garbage. Everything, (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Everything that's in there, you know, that he doesn't want you to eat, or she doesn't want you to eat, in the garbage. Avoid temptation. Right? Preparation sometimes is physical. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves from things. What about, at least we can say this, preparation in the natural can also be I'm just using these as, as examples. Uh, join the gym. Join the gym. Isn't that great? I joined the gym. I've got the revelation because it maybe came to the school of hard knocks because the doctor told me I need to do this to, for for this reason for my own health, and so now I'm going. I joined a gym. How many of you know that joining the gym is not enough? <laughs> ever see that one situation where this this, uh, in, this woman, she was exercising. She got a call on the phone and she says, what are you doing? I'm exercising. And it shows her sitting on a couch and some guy guy's doing push-ups or some guy's doing and she's just sitting there watching. She's exercising. <laughs> well, joining the gym is not going to cut it. There are certain things we need to do to prepare ourselves and whether it's Getting rid of this, getting rid of that. we got to do it so that we're prepared because we know we're in for a, a, a definite challenge. Next step, activation. That's why starting the process is important. Joining the gym was a good start, but if you don't go and you don't do, if you don't maybe change a little bit of the diet and that sort of thing and, and do what's necessary... You know, change isn't going to happen. And we're not talking just about physical things. We're talking about spiritual things as well. There was a fellow where I worked in the mill when I first got saved. I was really timid and really reserved. And, you know, when you work in a mill, anybody ever work in a mill? It's the underworld. No holds barred. No language barred. I mean, it was foul. Okay, so uh, you get the point. I'm saved, washed in the blood, and I'm listening to all this foul speech and everything, and it's it's, it's kind of offensive and everything, but I understand they're not saved. But then a brother in the Lord who was older than I was in the Lord, one day, you know, he's in the shanty. We're taking a break, and a man, all this stuff spewing out of his mouth. I don't know about you, I think this was a challenge that God placed upon my soul, because one day as I was driving in my car, he said, I want you to tell so-and-so about his language. I thought, you can't mean me. I'm timid. I don't like confrontation. I don't do things like that. He said, no, I want you to just explain to him a little bit about him being a, a light. And I thought, oh, Lord so of course you're know you thinking well you've got to orchestrate this you've got to put me in the same shanty with him at the same time on a break because that's the only time I see him as if God can't do that and so there I am in the shanty with him and it took all mustering up all the energy I had spiritually praying in the Holy Ghost and all that and I just said you know brother I think the Lord just wants me to share something with you where does it start? Revelation produces motivation, preparation, activation. So I just shared with them. I'm not being critical, brother. I said, but the Lord just really wanted me to share with you. You know, here we are in this mill, and you know it's foul. You know it, and I know it. I said, you've been a Christian longer than I have. I said, one thing that I learned when I first got saved is, you know, watch your speech. Because people are looking at you. They don't look at the Bible. They don't listen to what you preach. They're listening to what you say and how you live. And I just said, I realize the need for me to be here to be a shining light. And an example is to watch my language. See, it's always better to put it on yourself. To watch my language and how I speak and curtail the cursing and all that. I said, because it's not a shining light. you know what that brother said to me? He said, you know what? I'm so used to it. I've been here for like 30 years. He said, this is just how we talk here. I never gave that a second thought, but you are 100% right. I've got to change the way I talk so I could be a better light for Jesus. He received it, accepted it, changed it, and became a shining light for others to see. Amen. But you see, he, he received the revelation. The light bulb went on. And so it's important... That we activate whatever the game plan is, whether it's to curtail this, stop this, stop that, or whatever. And again, it could be the school of hard knocks, but you, I'd rather get it some way. What about you? Absolutely. And then continuation is our last step. Continuation. It means to persist in, a, in an activity. It means to resume even after an interruption. So to persist it. Remember Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right. So it's important to know the truth, to have the revelation of it, to know how damaging it could be, and how harmful it can be. And then have that motivation to do something about it, and then prepare yourself to do it. And not just physically and mentally, But spiritually, looking to God to provide the grace that you need. See, sometimes what we do is we go to God for mercy because we've done something wrong and say, forgive me, Lord. But you know what? Don't stop there. Ask for grace. I want your grace that enables me to rise up above the situation, to be empowered over the situation so that I'm not tempted any longer. I overcome the temptation by your power that's operative in me. Praise God. And remember, it says everyone looks after himself, right? Judges ourselves, not somebody else. Okay, so continuation. And this is particularly important because, you know, there can be a relapse. And when we talk about a relapse, we're talking about, for example, um, let's just say you fell off the wagon. Anybody fall off the wagon during Thanksgiving uh, feast? A little bit. Too much pumpkin pie too many helpings of this or that, too many cookies and candies that were set out and all that sort of thing. Okay, the thing is, all right. so that happened. Don't stop. Don't throw away what what you've begun. Anyone could relapse. So, did you get angry in sin from a spiritual perspective? Don't let the devil beat you up with guilt and condemnation. Just get it right under the blood. Get it under the blood and say, Father, have mercy upon me and forgive me. You know my frame. But you know what? I'm not stopping there just for mercy, Lord. You said come to obtain mercy and find grace to help. Not just mercy, but grace to help. Grace to what? Help in my time of need. I need to rise up above this. And so I'm asking you for grace. Divine enablement, divine empowerment that will equip me and help me. So the next time I'm in a situation where I can get angry and sin, I'm not going to do it. Or, if it's dealing with, for example, things such as uh, immorality, temptation there. Uh, when it comes to not, say, controlling our bodies, as he said, to be a vessel of honor, meat prepare for the master's use. Whatever it might be, um, sometimes with young people, get caught up into uh, pornography and that sort of thing. That's a good example. Get that stuff out of the house. Get rid of it. Why? Because you need to prepare yourself in order to deal with a situation where the enemy can take you captive and hold you victim. When it comes to temptations to do things that are against the Scriptures, against the Word of God. He's talking about many different forms of immorality. And obviously that is big in the eyes of the Lord. Can you see that that's big in the eyes of the Lord? Why did Paul spend 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 7 explaining about marriage... And explaining about a man that's married lives to please his wife. But he that is single lives to please the Lord. Why did he talk about the relationship that a man's body is not his own. The wife's body is not her own. You need to come together to avoid what? Sexual immorality. Why did he say that not to withhold it from each other. Because if you withhold your conjugal rights... You're holding up your spouse to the devil and you're saying, here, take him or take her. Why did he also say that even in in a place of fasting and prayer, that person can become tempted because of their incontinency? Not everyone's called to be a unit and so on. Why did he give all those verses of scripture talking about this particular subject if it wasn't important to him? It is extremely important to him Which, in actuality, which is why during that time, they got married very young. To avoid fornication, sexual immorality. And then, even when he talked about the husband-wife relationship. When he talked about, are you married? Then don't leave. Are you married? See to it that you work work it out. If you do leave, leave with the idea that you're going to work out your marital relationship. Make certain that you do that. Why? Jesus made it very clear. Because... This is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And if any way that others on the outside can see what God's about, he's supposed to see it in a family. Husbands that love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives that are submissive to their husbands. Children that are submissive to their parents. And that paints a picture of what the church looks like and what Christ's relationship with the church is. So these are all instructional teaching given to us And I'm just giving you what the Word says. Now in conclusion, let's look at this verse again. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Notice, sanctified, meet for the master's use or useful, and prepared unto every good work. Notice those three words. Okay, number one. Everybody say sanctified. Sanctified. That means set apart for God. I'll never forget reading after um, John G. Lake's commitment to the Lord. This was his covenant that he made with God. It's in the back of one of his books. And it is mind-boggling. How he set himself apart unto God. And said that this is how I will live my life. He had it written out step by step. As to how he would conduct himself himself with the opposite sex. How he would conduct himself with regard to his brothers and sisters in the Lord. How he would not judge other people, but just judge himself and let the other judgment be to God. I mean, he just listed one after another after another. He said, I am set apart for the use of God. I am set apart, sanctified. And remember what Paul said in First Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, each of us should know how to what? Possess his, what? Vessel. Possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And that's exactly what John G. Lake did. This is how I will live my life. But then secondly, useful. Useful. Someone that God can use. Do you want God to use you? Do I want God to use me? Praise God. Then it's important I make a decision to say, Lord, I make any adjustments. Any changes so that you could use me better to communicate your love and your life to those that are in need. And then thirdly, prepared. It means you're ready for service. Um, I have listed there like a backup quarterback. Now you think about that. Or a backup in any position. A pitcher, whatever. Um, Here you got a, the quarterback gets hurt. Everybody's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? Another guy steps in. Do you think that um, when the coach calls upon the person that steps in, he says to him, come here. And the fellow walks over to him he says, Have you ever thrown a a football before? (laughs) I think not. I think that the person he calls upon is prepared. He's ready for action. Why? Because... Now, imagine this. I can't imagine being an NFL quarterback. The guy above you is making buku bucks, millions of dollars, and you're being pretty well taken care of, but all you do is sit the bench. You sit the bench game after game after game after game after game after game. after game. You work as hard, but you never get to play. Unless there's a blowout that puts you in at the end of the game. You're just prepared. That's all you are. Prepared, ready for use. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Finally, it happens. Maybe the quarterback gets hurt. Maybe he gets the flu. Whatever it might be, he can't play. Now you step in. You better be ready. And you better perform. Amen. Praise God. In conclusion, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, if you would. But we have this treasure What treasure? The glory of God in earthen what? Earthen what? In earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The glory is on the inside of us. This is an earthen vessel and this vessel is to be a vessel of honor or it could be one of dishonor. It's up to us as to what we're going to do with the glory that's on the inside of us. If we want it to come out And if our goal is to become a vessel of honor that's pleasing to God, then we have got to follow these steps and just say, I'm going to eliminate that from my life. I'm going to add this to my life. Whatever is necessary for us to do so that we can be a vessel unto honor, meet or able and prepared for the master's use. But in finality, it is up to us to examine only ourselves and not someone else. Examine my own heart. Examine my own life. My own thoughts. I'll tell you what, just from preaching this message, I myself and more am more open to change. Okay? Because I see how vulnerable we all are. I grew up in a religion. I thought if I walked into another church, I was doomed for eternal destruction. I've changed my thinking since then because I know it's not true. Are you following me? After all those years, you see, sometimes we could be so set in our ways that we're not open to change. But God wants us all to be open to change. And my concern for young people today, you're living in a culture right now when sexual immorality, as it was at Corinth, no rules, And you can't even address it from a pulpit. At least they don't want you to. But I'll never stop doing it. Why? Because the devil wants you destroyed. But Jesus wants us to succeed. So it's important that young people hear that same-sex marriages are not the plan of God. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. That lifestyle is not the plan of God. That's not a vessel of honor, but dishonor. And as you read the scripture with me, that a person engaged in that kind of behavior can be lost forever. Do we want that for our loved ones? Do we want that for people we care about? No, but try to communicate that. It's difficult. Why? Because the mind is closed. Blubber. it's not a mad matter of... A, gender identity problem it is a mental and emotional and spiritual issue that needs to be addressed in these people's lives so they can rise up above the temptation and overcome and we're not addressing that but here I'm letting you all know for your children grandchildren or whatever this is the word of God this is God's way Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Christian Assembly Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. Is our heart at Christian Assembly, to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the other most parts of the world. We want to join as the Body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world